On today's show, I will have the pleasure of speaking with Kevin Peterson, who is the founder of the Chronic Hope Institute, coming up. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Mel, your host of the Love Manual podcast. The Love Manual is a resource for all things love and relationships, and we want our viewers and listeners to get valuable tips and information from our informative and experienced professionals and guests. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's show, we have the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Kevin Peterson. Please help me welcome him to the show. Hi, hey. Kevin. Hi. How are you today? Uh, good, good, good. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, just the title of your institute alone is amazing. So I would love for you to tell the viewers and listeners a little bit about Kevin Peterson. Okay, sure. That'd be fun. <laughs> Just a little, because I can go all day. <laughs> um, I am, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and uh, I live in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Uh, my wife and I moved here about two and a half years ago from Denver, Colorado, where I lived for about 25 years. And before that, I grew up in uh, Northern California, in the little town of Palo Alto, California. And um, Oh my goodness. Let's see. I'm also in uh, recovery from drugs and alcohol. Um, I, I've been sober since May 5th, 1991. Wow. And um, this is the second career. Thank you very much. Um, this is the second career for me. So there you go. Awesome. Awesome. So, okay. So I know that we, I said at the beginning of the show that you were the founder of the Chronic Hope Institute. What made you, I mean, what you know, motivated you to name it that and to be the founder of it? What was your motivation? Well, you know, I wrote, uh, I wrote two books. Um, the first book was called Chronic Hope, Parenting mm -hmm. the Addicted Child. And uh, that came out in, I think, October 2019. And the, the, the term chronic hope actually came from a friend of mine named Josh Miller. Hey, look, there they are. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they... Uh, my buddy Josh in Colorado said, I was like, I'm trying a really hard time coming up with the title. Uh -huh. and, and he said, well, what's it about? I said, well, you know, I work with these families that are struggling with addiction within the, in the concept of the family. And that first book was really more about someone who's under 18 or under 25 living at home. Um, and I said, you know, the families just have this belief that one day tomorrow, magically, it's going to be all better. You know, right. and and um, and he's like, so they kind of have like this chronic hope, and I'm like, that's it, that's it. And, wow. And and so that's how I got the name. And then last uh, year during the pandemic, I decided to. I mean, I have another. My Peterson Family Counseling is my therapy practice. Uh -huh. um, but then I thought I needed to sort of take it to. A, I need to get out of the idea of just being a therapist, and and you know, the Chronic Hope Institute is designed to help the public understand more about addiction, codependency, and recovery, and help clinicians understand more uh, about addiction, codependency, and recovery. So that's why we created the Institute, was to educate people and help them. Right. Wow. I, I mean, this 
the addiction is so worldwide. Like, I mean, it's just an ongoing thing. And for you to have the Chronic Hope Institute for individuals to come and know that there is a place that they can, you know, discuss these issues. And I actually really love the approach that you take um, as far as counseling. So I want you to get into that a little bit. I know that, you know, it has to do with the whole family. So can you explain that just a little bit? Absolutely. So our perspective is that addiction doesn't just affect the individual, it affects the whole family system. Mm -hmm. and, and that in order for the individual to heal, the whole family system has to heal as well. So um, in the second book, uh, Chronic Hope, Families and Addiction, what I did was create three segments or three phases. Okay. And the first phase is before recovery or before treatment. And what that really is, I, I base this all on what I what happens to me on a daily basis with the families that I work with. The first phone call is almost always the same. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what are we gonna do? We need your help, you know? And and, they look, and really, in families that are in a crisis, I always say it's like, you know, it's like driving up to your house and finding, you know, the fire department's there and they're getting all the hoses ready and, and they've done everything, your house is on fire and that the only thing they haven't done is turn on the water. Right. And then they stop and they look at you and they say, so, hey, before we get fixed in the fire, um, why don't you tell us what it feels like to have your house be on fire? You know, yeah. which is kind of that's what therapists are taught to do. And so I don't do that. I shift it around. I'm like, we're putting the fire out. We're going to we're going to change things. We're going to make this all better. And then we're going to talk about how we got here and what happened. That's phase two. And phase three is how do we reintegrate everybody back into the family? Wow, that's amazing, Kevin. And that's a good approach because a lot of um, counselors think that they have to focus on that individual that's suffering the addiction, not even realizing that it's actually the whole family that's suffering. Yes, absolutely. You're, you are 100% correct. I mean, the, the traditional thought process is that if we just fix that one person and fix that one thing, everything's going to be okay. But the statistics show that when that person comes back from 30 days of treatment and the family system hasn't changed, the odds are they're gonna relapse and go back out. Yeah, that's true, especially if the family is not on board. And that's gonna be another question too that I um, wanted to talk about, but what are some of the needs of the individuals that receive the family care management the way that you do it? What are some of their needs? Sure. So, so what they what they really what we, a lot of what we have to do is start by with is educating them and helping mm -hmm. them understand what addiction is and what it looks like and how it works. And there's like there's three parts to addiction, right? There's the physical part of addiction, you know, which is the the allergy. You know, it's the you know once I take one drink or one anything, I have to have more. Your body reacts and you have to have more. And then the second part is the mental part, which is what we call the mental obsession, which is, I know I have a problem, but this time it's going to be different. And then mm -hmm. this time I'm going to do things differently. And, and that never works. And then the last part is what we call the spiritual malady. And the spiritual malady is that I know I have a physical problem and I know I have a mental problem, but I refuse to ask for help. Right. And, and that's how we define addiction. So educating the families on... on because their odds are they're not addicts. And they're like, I don't understand why he does this. Right. And, and so we want to teach them what that's all. That's where we start is by educating them. And we educate them about codependency too. 
I love, love, love it. So, during the pandemic, did you see a rise in outpatient or inpatient treatment for individuals? And do you do inpatient treatment at your facility? So no, we're just a, so we're strictly a therapeutic process. Um, oh. You know, a therapeutic and family care manager, case management. Um, but we refer people to inpatient treatment a lot, and. And, you know, I would, you know, I would say that things were steady for us. You know, um, I, everyone, a lot of folks I talked to were like, yeah, and I bet the pandemic was really great for business. I'm like, well, I mean, it was because, you know, people were, were, were self-medicating and turning towards that instead of taking better care of themselves because everyone was under this giant pile of trauma and stress. And, right. you know, it wasn't just the pandemic. It was, you know, it was the country at odds you know, and yeah. really just kind of everybody going after each other. And, and you know, the, the, this, the picture that I'd like to draw or the analogy I draw is that the last year and a half is, is very much like an alcoholic family. Mom and dad are fighting and they're going after each other tooth and nail and, and nobody's minding the children, you know? Yeah. And so the, the kids, and then, and it's creating a ton of trauma, right? And, and, and the kids are really lost. And so what ends up happening is the kids start sort of going into certain behavior patterns. You know, right. there's the fighter, there, there's the runner, there's the person that sticks their head in the sand and acts like everything's fine. Mm -hmm. there's, there's definitely the addict. And then there's the caregiver, you know. Um, and, and everyone's been kind of running into their space. And, and, and it's, I think a lot of it's because, you know, they haven't felt like they're being nurtured and loved and cared and taken care of. That, does that make sense? It certainly does make a lot of sense. It really does. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of individuals now, like you said, the parents are over there, they're arguing, they're fighting. They're not even paying attention to the youth. He's in the room doing whatever he want to do or she wants to do. And they're not really paying attention. So like you spoke about with the codependency. Now, do you find that it's a little easier to deal with families when parents are no longer codependent i mean you know codependence i guess for well I, I yeah i mean ideally right it's like what we want to do what our goal i mean once we get the person pushed get, get the the addict or the alcoholic help you know then we really want to dig in and focus on the family and help them sort through what's going on with them and when we can get them to a space where they start to understand that they're not responsible for their loved one's addiction, but they are responsible for how they respond to it, you know? And yeah. if we can get them to start to realize that, oh, wow, I was really not responding to that very in a very healthy fashion with, mm -hmm. with a lot of, you know, codependent behaviors with caretaking, enabling, you know, and all sorts of stuff, you know, passive aggressive behavior and all that sort of thing. Um, then we can really dig in and have fun with the family. And when the families realize that and realize they're not to blame, okay? Right. But, but that they can get better too. Oh my gosh, it's so wonderful, you know? And, yeah, I can imagine. So I know that, you know, a lot of counselors deal with the individual who is the youth that is, um, you know, abusing and that's addicted. But what about when it's in reverse and it's the parents that are uh, addicted and then the children have to come in as a group and deal with that? Yeah, that's a great point. My goodness, that's that's a great point. Um, and what ends up happening there is that we end up resourcing the heck out of those kids 
and helping them understand. So I will tell you, like my number one resource for that situation is out of a group called Hazelton Betty Ford. Um, they have what's called the Children's Program, and it's this amazing four-day program for kids that's hosted in different parts of the country by therapists that teach the kids from 7 to 12, you know, it's not their fault, you know, and how to communicate and how to speak up and, and you know, how to put, how to put you know, emotions to their feelings and what's, how to put words to those things as well. It's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely wonderful. Wow. Well, I'm actually happy that there is a program that's like that because, you you know, you always think about, OK, it's the youth that's addicted and the parents have to deal with this whole situation. But sometimes it's in reverse and, you know, I feel really bad for the kids who have to witness their parents going through this. But that's a good program. So yes. what what is like the youngest age of a youth that you ever had to counsel? Well, you know, when I first graduated, uh, I was working, actually my internship was at a place called Arapahoe Douglas Mental Health in Denver. Mm -hmm. And it was a community mental health organization, Medicaid based. And I was working with kids um, all the way down to like seven, eight, nine years old. And wow. um, my, my, I, have a degree, I have a master's in marriage and family therapy, but I also stayed on another year and a half and got additional training in working with children and adolescents. Wow, that's amazing. Well, uh, let everybody know where your facility is based out. I mean, where, where, where are you? Tell everybody. So I'm in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Um, <clears throat> and we, we do telehealth right now just because of everything that's going on. So we can service anyone in the country, um, oh. absolutely anywhere in the country. If you have a family member or a loved one or somebody that you're concerned about and you don't know what to do, that's we can help you. Um, I love and, and then we also have an office in Denver, Colorado, uh, and we have uh, four therapists that work there, and they're phenomenal, and they all do case management as well. Um, so, yeah, we like to think that we can help anywhere in the country. And, you know, we actually have, like, there's the, the books. Um, we have a YouTube channel. We have done some podcasts and a lot of video. And so we have a lot of information that's available for free. Um, I love that important for us to be able to make sure that this is something that's affordable to everyone. And that's true, Kevin. That is really appreciated because, you know, the services, people will say, oh, I can't do it. I don't have the money. You know, I, oh, I don't know where the resources are, but at least that, you know, you're giving them some resources and some tips and advice on where they can go and your um, resources are as far as telling them, you know, where who they can contact. So do you have any up and coming projects that you want to discuss um, and let our viewers and listeners know what amazing things you're doing for the people? Well, you know, <laughs> gosh, uh, <laughs> I would say, you know, join our Facebook page, the Chronico Institute, <laughs> and, uh, and we have a Facebook group. Okay. And, and we do, you know what we do about once a month? We do what we call Ask Me Anything. Oh, and, and so I'll go online and just take anybody's questions, you know, and it can be as specific as, you know, my 25 year old son is addicted to whatever or my husband or my wife or my, you know, whatever. And, and I will answer those questions and I will walk them through resources. And so I want people to know that that's totally free. Right. That's 100 percent free. Everything is available right then and there. And then we also keep those and. and put those on the website so people can go back and access them. 
Ah, that's a smart idea. I guess so. The questions will still be there. They'll go back and look at the answer that you gave the last person, or <laughs> yeah, right. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. So, how often do you have to see um, or coach the same family? Like, how long does that process usually take? You know, what we try to do is, if it's from the first phone call all the way through reconciliation. It can be anywhere from three to six months, depending on the situation, you know, sometimes it can be done really quickly, like maybe, a, you know, four to six sessions. And sometimes it's a little bit longer and there's a little bit harder work to do. And, you know, you know, when you dig in and start finding stuff, you got to really dig in and, and get after that. Yes. Absolutely. Because what you're digging into is basically the cause or, you know, their traumas, I guess, basically cause them to head down that road. So um, how do you feel about uh, parents and children being in the same room while you're coaching and some of the things that you have to bring up? Is that really hard to do? It can be depending. I mean, it obviously depends on the age of the child and, you know, what's going on and where we're headed. But we've definitely had people, you know, teenagers all the way up to grandparents in the same sessions. You know, wow. that's because, you know, the thing is, one of the big deals that we believe in is that you're only as sick as your secrets, you know. And so we have to break that concept of, well, we're not going to tell them that. You know, right. and, and, and I mean, some things are not appropriate for little kids, and I totally agree with that. Uh -huh. But, you know, I think it's actually important that, that teenagers start to understand about addiction and alcoholism and recovery so that they, when they start getting in touch with that or start experiencing their friends or themselves, they're like, oh, hey, wait a minute, I know where to go with this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is a good idea. So that way they can see. If I keep going down this road, then this is that's where I'm going to end up, right? Absolutely, you got it. You got right. it. Now, if someone's truly an addict, they're going to go down that road anyway, right? Know? But we want to at least give them a place where they can go to get help, you know? Right. Absolutely. So, what about? Um, I know that when addicts are addicted, they're the only ones that could bring themselves really out of it, as far as saying when I'm done, I'll, I'm done, you know, but nobody can tell me that I'm done. What do you think about that? Well, yes and no. <laughs> okay, great. Tell me. Because <laughs> I mean, I hear that all the time from the families. Well, mm -hmm. he's only going to quit when he wants to quit. I said, yeah, okay, I get that. But you can also tell him that until you quit, we're not dealing with you. You know, you can, you can make it clear. Let me be clear with you. My my family, my dad sat me down. I was in a four-hour car ride with him in 1990. And he, in the first five minutes, went like this. You know, you're a drug addict and an alcoholic, and you're kind of a liar, a cheat, and a thief. And until you get that squared away, you're out of the family. You know, we're, that's it. We love you, but no. You know, and I think it's really important to set boundaries like that. And if somebody's going to choose to lead the drug addict or alcoholic lifestyle, that's their option and that's their choice. But you don't have to go with them. You don't have to go down that rabbit hole with them. And so that's what I teach the families is that it's okay to stand your ground and say, yeah, I'm not doing that. We're not going there. Right. Yeah, because a lot of parents will enable their youth or, you know, vice versa, just because they think that, oh, I'm helping him. He's going to be sick if I don't give it to him, you know, and all of these other things. But 
if he made his own bed or she made her own bed, then they have to lie in it and figure out how they're going to get what they need, right, to survive. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's important to always be able to tell someone, I love you, uh -huh. I'm concerned about what you're doing, and I'll help you. You know, I'm not going to just shut the door in your face and tell you never come back. I'm yeah. going to tell you that I will, I will do it because I love you, and I will do everything in my power to help you. But if you don't want my help, that's cool. But that I'm going to disengage from you. Does that make sense? It certainly does make sense. Yes. Yeah. It, it, that's that tough love, I guess, because you don't want to have them dependent on you to pay for their drug habit. Yep. Right. Yep. Tough love is sort of more the old shut the door on their face. and be Yeah, like, that's true. I, I, I tend to look at it more along the lines of let's offer them let's offer them boundaries and empathy with a solution. Mm, very good, Mr. Peterson. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Love it. it so, worked on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is good. How long did it take you to recover and get back on track? Well, I mean, I like to think that when I first started going to, uh, when I stopped using and stopped drinking in May 5th of 1991, that's when my recovery started. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the 12 step methodology and I'm, I'm part of that whole process. And, and I would say that my recovery has been ongoing. I mean, I just keep moving forward and keep moving forward. And, you know, and like when I was 16 years sober, I was 43 years old and I realized I didn't want to be a salesman anymore. I wanted to go back to school, be a therapist. And so I took a giant leap of faith. And, and, you know, and here I am. And that's amazing. I mean, you did a wonderful job. I know that your family is super proud of you. So, um, okay, so we have a question. I really cannot see it. I see Tanya Postel asked us a question. Oh, um, I see it. I can see it. Thank you, Kevin. Can you answer that? <laughs> yeah, Tanya says, yes, you cannot make it comfortable for them. Oh, Tanya, you are speaking my language. <laughs> Bless you. That is absolutely the truth. And I work with so many families that, that you know, well, I don't want them to be mad at me and I don't want to cause problems. I'm like, you realize that you're actually contributing to their demise, you know, and, and we call that loving someone to death. Wow. And yeah. they don't even realize they they may realize it, but they're not getting it at that moment. Oh, wow. So what tips and advice can you give parents or youth who have um, someone that's addicted uh, to anything? You know, what what tips and advice can you give to someone that's addicted? Sure, sure. For, for like a family member. Um, yeah. What I, what I would say is. Go to our website, chronichope.us, watch our videos, listen to our podcast, join our Facebook page. Uh -huh. We offer all kinds of information and resources for free, 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 you know, and we will educate the heck out of you and show you exactly, you know, what we think is, and we'll give you resources and show you where to go with it. And that's, that's the number one thing I think I can tell people to do. I love it. Um, I think she, yep, she says something else there. I mean, uh. oh, so she, yeah, Tanya, she's speaking my language. I think it's also important to have an outlet for prayer to God as well. Absolutely, Absolutely. no questions asked. Huge believer in the spiritual program of action. Um, huge believer in higher power. Um, and I am so with you on it. Well, I mean, that is, 
Let's be clear. If all it required was education or medication, we wouldn't need a high, you know, a spiritual program. Right. But the spiritual program is really, really, really what makes this all happen. Absolutely. I love that she said that. And I love that you have that in your, um, in the Chronic Hope Institute as well. So, okay. First of all, your books, where can they find your books? Amazon for the paperbacks and okay. then Kindle, obviously, and then on uh, Audible. Uh, both books are all on all three. Yes, absolutely. Oh, right. And I love it. Is that your voice? Because I heard some of it. No. no <laughs> okay, because I was no. like, wait a minute, Kevin. <laughs> no, I, 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 I looked into it, but man, it just it takes forever. And, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of really wonderful people out there that do this for a living that are very quick and very effective and very cost-effective. <laughs> so. Well, you know. I like it. That was really good. So they can find your book on Amazon. Where can the listeners and viewers find you? I know you said Facebook. Uh, what, what about LinkedIn? We have a visitor. Um, uh oh. <laughs> hey, buddy. I Sorry. see you again. <laughs> he didn't want to get left out. You know. That's okay. Um, he wanted his airtime, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, we're on the Chronic Hope Institute is on Instagram, uh -huh. LinkedIn. Oh, no kisses. Um, Facebook and <laughs> um, and let's see. I think that's uh, we're on Twitter. Um, but oh, cool. yeah, I, yeah, I would say you can definitely find us on Instagram and on mm -hmm. Facebook. Just punch in the Chronic Hope Institute. You'll find us, and we'll, we'd love to have you be part of our family. Oh man. Kevin, you are amazing, and I thank you so, so much. And as you see, we're putting up your website. Yeah. I mean, just look at that. Look at that guy. <laughs> look at that guy, Kevin. <laughs> I love it. I love, love, love it. But and that, right there it says there is a solution, and I believe yes, that your place is uh, the place to be, actually. So uh, I thank you. I, no, I thank you so, so much for giving the viewers and listeners some tips and advice and, you know, give a few words of encouragement. What do you have to say? They can do it, right? Oh, you know, you can, let me tell you, recovery is possible for the addicts and for the family members, okay? Mm -hmm. You can get better whether the person in your family gets better or not, you know? So yeah. don't think that everything's dependent upon the person getting sober you can get better as well and, and start to live your life whether or not they're living theirs yes kevin that was a well said and on that note uh please look for kevin's books on amazon and check him out on audible and uh linkedin facebook join his group ask your questions and he'll be happy to answer kevin thank you so much for being a guest i appreciate you and i know your dog's name start with a b bert bert ah got it <laughs> bye bert thank you kevin so much i appreciate you oh it's my pleasure thank you thank so you. much mel for having me this was wonderful Awesome. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you guys so, so much for joining me on The Love Manual. Uh, don't forget to visit our website at www.thelovemanual.com where you get some um, resource information, where to go on trips, newsletters, and don't forget to visit our store where you'll find some great items for you and your partner. Okay. So thank you and enjoy the rest of your evening. Bye-bye.